Good morning. It's so great to be together in the house of the Lord, sing together, study together. It's a pleasure to be with you all. We're in Matthew 24 this morning. That's our sermon text this morning. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. We'll be starting in verse 3. And as he sat, this is Jesus, and as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed. For this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, you are the king of the world. You're the king of everything. We give you praise this morning. We thank you for your revealed word. We thank you that your word is true. It is not failing. And it is a gift from you to guide us in our days as we follow you and seek to grow to be like you. Thank you, Lord, for these words from the Savior this morning that are a comfort to us in an important and trying time. Lord, would you open our hearts to know what your word is teaching this morning, that you would guide us how to be disciples of you in these trying and important times. Lord, would you comfort us? Would you build your church And would you be with us this morning that you would guide us into your truth. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So in Matthew 24, Jesus is on the Mount of Olives. And we know from Matthew chapter 20 that the disciples are aware that Jesus will be condemned to die in Jerusalem. Jesus has just informed them that the temple will be destroyed and just a few verses before what we just read. And there's naturally so many questions they have about how is this all going to take place. What's ahead, they ask. Now, in this passage, there's a lot of disagreement around how to interpret this. You know, scholars disagree. You know, how is this all to take place? Um, interpreting the end times and its complexities You know, there's a lot of difficulty with this passage. Um, But for us, there's very clear instruction from Jesus for living in an important time. 
Uh, every generation wonders, is, is this the time? Is this the time Jesus will return? Are the signs that I'm experiencing around me, are, are these the signs of the time that will bring the return of Christ? While these are really important questions, and they're important to think about and study, that, that's not what we're doing this morning. We're not here to talk about the end times. We're not here to talk about the prediction of when Christ is coming back. Um, that's not what we're looking at this morning. Um, in fact, later in this section of Scripture, Jesus says that no one but the Father knows the times and that we should not follow rumors or people who say Christ is over here or no, Christ is over there. But we will see that Jesus' words for us in Matthew 24 and on have a lot of direction for us. Um, they have a lot of vital importance for us living as people living in urgent times when chaos is sweeping around us and around the world and this world wildly spins on. And so Jesus' teaching has a lot of relevance for us today just as it did for the disciples and, and theirs. So the disciples ask, what's ahead? Have you asked this question before? What's ahead, Lord? Maybe you're asking this question right now. Maybe it was on the way here this morning you were asking this. And it's really normal for us with um, you know, all of these different events surrounding us uh, that we would ask, Lord, uh, it's an honest prayer. God, what are you doing in our time? What are you doing in our day? So let's not miss on how Jesus instructs us to live. And in verse 3, he sat on the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Uh, Jesus tells them about many things that are to come, and things that will come immediately, and things that will come later in the future. Uh, the disciples, of course, first want to know about the temple and what does this mean, um, this destruction that Jesus has said will happen. But they want to know more, too. Jesus had told them that the temple would be destroyed, and they want to know when Jesus will return and what the world will look like leading up to that return. The, the disciples still had this belief that the Messiah, the promised Messiah, would liberate the nation from Roman rule and that the nation would still rise to its um, greatness and prosperity that was promised long ago. And, and it's no surprise that the disciples are, are desperate for answers. You know, Jesus, how is it you're going to die? Jesus, how is it that the, temp the temple, the, the sign of the nation's prosperity and greatness, that God is there with them, how is it that this will go down? And there's no doubt that they still anticipated at some level that, that Jesus was still going to conquer physically, um, if not in that, in that day, like imminently, that it was coming very, very soon. And, you know, in their time, they didn't await a second coming of Christ as, as we await. Um, they're, they're thinking the Messiah, he's here. This, this is happening now. The, the day we're waiting for is the conquering of, of Israel, that Israel will be victorious. And so it's not surprising that they're asking Jesus, you know, when will these things take place? But Jesus' reply that there's going to be additional trials and, 
and uh, challenges that birth pains will come had to be so shocking for them to hear. They still thought he was going to reign immediately. So suffering is coming? How does this make sense? And we see in verses 4 to 8 that Jesus warns of birth pains. He's saying people will be led astray. There's rumors, there's wars, famines, and natural disasters that will come. And verses 9 through 12, he's warning of intense persecution and increased lawlessness in the world in which they live. There is hatred, a promise that the disciples will be hated for his namesake. There will be betrayal and false teachers, and the love of many will grow cold. People will hate one another, and lawless powers will grow and intensify. This had to be paralyzing and gripping for the disciples to hear. And maybe you feel the same amount of dread that I do when I read through these, these verses. of just like, whoa, what days, what days that those will be. It's a dreadful time. It's a fearful time. And, and Jesus doesn't shy away from the, relation, like the reality of what it will be like. He doesn't try to sugarcoat the difficulty that will be faced. Only a few chapters before in Matthew 10, he promises that persecution will come and that he sends them as sheep in the midst of wolves and that they would be hated by all for his namesake. And so these are really hard teachings for all of us who say we are Christians and that we identify with Christ. These are hard teachings. And, you know, for the global church, our brothers and sisters around the world, this is um, a reality for them, and it's increasingly a reality for all believers around the world. And so with this as our backdrop, what, what are some things that we can take from what Jesus is teaching us Um, What can we learn from him about how to live as disciples in urgent and trying times? And there are at least five things. There's probably more, but I want to highlight five things that we can take from this passage this morning and bring with us into into the the future. Uh, First, in all the warnings and hard things that we can face, there is a beautiful hope. In verse 13, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. There's a lot of hope in that. And Jesus promises that there will be true Christians. And true Christians who endure to the end. Hope awaits. Jesus is straightforward that we will experience difficult days leading up to his return. The days will be hard. And maybe today you're feeling the weight of the times we're living in. Maybe it feels like too much. Uh, My family and I have been back um, from North Africa for about seven weeks. We're fresh off the plane still. And we're we're loving being back. We're loving visiting with friends and family and, and different churches. But, you know, we've been living for about eight years in a Muslim land in North Africa. And you know, everywhere we travel to, you know, we're meeting with different people and different churches, and there's kind of a common expression we're, we're hearing from a lot of people that that you know spans denominations, that spans church communities, but but people are dealing with a lot of fear right now, 
Uh, that's at least what they're telling us. And, you know, fear of how the church is going, fear of how the economy is going, fear about what it's like to live within a culture and within a nation that is increasingly looking different from the ways of Christ. And so people are experiencing this. You know, there seems to be an increasing amount of lawlessness and a love of many, even within the church, that's going cold and some betrayal. And, you know, these are real things that people are dealing with. We've heard this in the mouth of, of um, believers in Scotland, where we are, Lord willing, moving to in January. Um, we've heard it in North Africa among the underground church, um, a fear, a dread, a sense of hopelessness about how things are going. So it is serious. There's real challenges. But look at the promise of our Savior in John 10. This is verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So no matter how bad things get, no one will snatch you out of Jesus' hand. No matter who is in earthly rule, no one will snatch you out of his hand. No matter how bad the culture gets, no one will snatch you from his hand. No matter how hostile the world is to Christ, he says, no one will snatch you out of my hand. No matter what, no one will snatch you out of my hand. So take comfort in this today. We know how this ends. If you are in Christ and you are his, no one can take you from his hand. And second, in verse 6, listen to Jesus. He says, See that you are not alarmed. And it's so natural for us to become fixated on life around us. You know, the circumstances that are around us. There's the world's events that are happening. And, I mean, that first headline that popped up on my phone this morning was another intense crisis. It's a daily thing. Um, there's things that Jesus said would happen. There's the wars and natural disasters. And, you know, we're facing a strange economic climate of inflation and rising prices and, you know, instability. And, and this is around the world, these waves of economic change. And, um, you know, there's the persecution and lawlessness that Jesus seems to suggest will only grow like birth pains. They grow and they'll not go away, but, you know, they're not going to diminish, but expand and become more intense. And this is, this is intense. So, but the question is, what are we fixated on? Are we fixated on these world problems and, and the persecution? Or is that how we're enduring when Jesus says, endure? But in verse 6, he says, see that you are not alarmed, for this must take place. Are we panicking in fear, alarmed at what's going on, as if God isn't in control? So what dominates us? What fills our thoughts? What's on the forefront of our minds? What's 
worrying us or troubling us. And if you compare this verse in other English translations, some say to not be alarmed, but some also say don't be troubled. Um, Others say don't be frightened. And if you can identify with any of those emotions, then pressing into what God has is really important for us. So what dominates our thoughts? What's going on around us? Or is it the return of Christ? Are we fixated on him? Are we fixated on what he has for us in our days? Are we fixated on the gospel and that it will go out to the ends of the earth? What fills our thoughts? A third thing that we can take from this passage is just this, is that even in difficult times, the gospel will go out to the ends of the earth. And this is in verse 14. And Jesus says, The gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. As a missionary who has seen firsthand the opposition and challenges to the gospel in North Africa and Asia and India, this promise is really, really sweet to me. It's a promise of what's to come. This is the promise of how it ends. The Lord's purposes will go out. The Lord's rule will continue even when everything is swirling around us. No matter how hard it gets, how impossible it seems, God will see to it that his good news is brought to all nations. And so in light of all of the pain and all of the challenge around us, um, the gospel and the glory of God should be a priority for us as disciples. And so again, where do we put our focus? Are we fixated on what's around us or what is above What's happening in our time that the gospel is going out? The message of the gospel is the hope of the world. It is the only hope. So we, we want to be people who cheer on the going and the proclamation and, the, and the, the belief that Jesus says will happen as the gospel is shared. And he promises that it will. So another thing that we can take from this passage, and it might be the most important thing that I can see in the text here, but Jesus instructs us how to be fully present in the times that we're living in. And Jesus tells his followers more about the future and many things that are hard to understand for them. In verse 36, Jesus says that um, no one knows the hour and the day of his return, only the Father. He compares the final times to the story of Noah and the flood that came in Noah's day. And in verses 38 to 39, um, he describes that the world in Noah's day, that, that people were going on living and eating and drinking and marrying, you know, doing the normal life. But then he says that, They were unaware until the flood came and swept them away. Uh, Other translations um, say that the people in the culture around Noah didn't know or didn't understand or or maybe didn't realize what was really happening in their time. 
He says that this will be the same as when the sun comes again. But here is the exhortation that we don't want to miss. Keep, keep the story of Noah in your mind, and let's go to verse 42. Jesus says, Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would have not let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Jesus says the word, therefore, twice here, and which is another way of saying, in light of everything I've already told you, do this. Or, because of everything I just told you, pay attention to this. So he says, therefore, twice. He says, stay awake, and he says, be ready. And this word, um, this Greek word for stay awake is a word, Gregorio. And Gregorio carries with it this, this meaning of to actually be alive, like to be alive, not dead, and to watch. And put with this, Jesus says, instruction to be ready, which you can also interpret as to stay on the alert or to keep watching, what Jesus is saying here becomes to come, uh, begins to come into focus about how we should be living. And as we consider this, Jesus is calling us, is inviting us to be clear-eyed, to be open-hearted, to be sober and awake, um, ready for action, you know, paying attention, um, to maybe use a sports metaphor, you know, to be competing, to be being on the team, to be in the game. In Noah's day, people were carrying on as business as usual, just doing the life stuff, living and eating and drinking. Uh, that was where their focus was. The spiritual reality of the important things beyond the life stuff, they, they were not aware of. They were unaware, is what Jesus says. They were blind to the deeper spiritual reality that is true, that is real. And they were asleep. They were asleep to what was happening. Um, you could say they were distracted or preoccupied or even numb to things past, just what was right in front of them. The people in the age of Noah were not watching alert or ready. They were asleep. And the text says they were later swept away. But listen to the parallels of this chapter, of 20, Matthew 24, to what Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5. And Paul was writing to a church that was fully aware that Jesus was coming back, almost to a fault. They thought Jesus was coming back immediately. Uh, so much so that they had kind of grown into idleness to a certain amount of passivity where they, they weren't really doing anything. And Paul is writing to them about the coming of Christ. So listen to what he says to the church. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then suddenly destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. 
But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness, so then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and of love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us to wrath. Isn't that amazing? God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. Do you see some of the parallels in this text? There's a lot of the same words that he's using. The day of the Lord is approaching, but we are not like the people of Noah's day. As believers in Christ, we are not unaware of what's going on around us. And we're fully aware that there's trouble around us, that there's challenges in our day. But we are aware of this other dimension of the return of the Lord, that this is not where it ends. There's more going on in our day than just what's right in front of us. We are not like the people in the greater culture who have no hope past what they see right here. We are children of the light. We're children of the day. We have been awoken by the Holy Spirit in salvation to a new reality, a new way of seeing the world. And what's Paul's exhortation? It's actually another therefore. He says, therefore, encourage one another. Build one another up. Awaken one another. Ready one another. And the church and the community of believers by the Holy Spirit will endure until the end. And Jesus is coming, brothers and sisters. He's returning. So we've been awakened in salvation to a different reality. And this is also like Hebrews chapter 10 where the writer says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So the community of Christ, the church, God gave it to us so that we can encourage one another in these days, build one another up, to hold fast, to stir one another up to love and good works, to stay centered, to stay awake in light of the coming of Christ. The church is a great blessing. It's such a blessing to be in this place with you all. In the world that we were living in, we we don't have this every Sunday. We, We would meet in secret with a few believers, but the opportunity to be open and to be um, worshiping the Lord, it's a great gift. 
It's a great gift. And, and you know, why do we come to church? Why, why do we do this every Sunday? We, we want to follow the Lord in these days. But this church, uh, the opportunity to hear the word proclaimed, to sing to the Lord, this is a gift from the Lord that awakens us every week to the reality of what is really happening around us, that it's more than just the daily life, but that God is at work in a deeper way and that Jesus is coming again. And so I'm thankful. I I pray that you see the church as a blessing and that you are pouring into others in this way as they pour into you Um, because we need each other. We need um, to be reminded that, yes, Jesus is coming. And yes, there's more than what's going on, but there's a bigger reality at play. In the next chapter, in, in Matthew 25, he, there are some parables that Jesus is teaching to, to drive this home about being awake and being ready. We, we don't have time to go into those this morning, um, but read those. It's, it's, um, it's powerful. But there's a state of preparation and readiness for his return that he's calling us into. There's always going to be the normal life stuff, eating and drinking, and, you know, Sometimes it feels like it's just survival to get through another day. And and Jesus is there in that moment for each of us as well. He's he's ready to meet us in those daily needs. And if survival is what's going on in your life, then he's right there with you. But he's also calling us to look past survival into the victorious return that he is promised to make. And are we the bride of Christ? Are we wide awake? Are we ready? Are we driven by the gospel going out? Are we driven and motivated by his return? Is that where we're spending our energy? That's, that's the call today. And remember, Jesus has said that the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed to the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And that's a promise for us this morning. And we're here. We're here for one another. We're here to build one another up as we see the day approaching, to endure and to be ready for our King who is coming. So are you awake today? Are you ready? And lean into one another to um, pursue what Jesus is calling us as a church to be. And the final thing I'd like to share um, we are weak. We are weak in this, but God is strong. In the very next chapter in Matthew 26, Jesus and the disciples are, are back on the Mount of Olives. They've, he's barely finished telling them about, stay awake, be ready. He'd just gone through parables instructing them to be ready. We're back on the Mount of Olives, and he's sorrowful and troubled. He's asking the disciples to watch with him. And Jesus prays in a desperate prayer, um, grieved even to the point of death, and he finds his disciples sleeping. He just told them to stay awake. He says, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He goes to pray again, and and he comes back to them sleeping a second time. The flesh is weak. 
And can you feel that irony? I've just taught you all these things. And he says, can't you just stay awake with me for a minute? Still they failed. Still they couldn't do it. And, and multiple times. Our spirits are willing, but our flesh is weak too. And we're really no different. But God has awakened us by the Holy Spirit. He's given us a church community, which he uses to reawaken us on a regular basis to a greater reality. And he is even faithful. He's always faithful, even when we're faithless, and he will never fail. If you're a believer and you trust in Christ, he promises to carry us to the end. He who endures will be saved, but he is carrying us all the way through. And we trust to him. We look to him to do that in our lives. He helps us and he will use the Holy Spirit to accomplish this and to see the good news brought to the ends of the earth. And how do we know this? As we close, I, I'm going to read to you Psalm 121. And if you want to close your eyes and just receive this from the Lord, you can. Or um, you, you might want to just close your eyes and meditate on these words. But I'm just going to read the entire psalm. This is Psalm 121. And um, I pray that as you hear this, that you would hear that this is the word of the Lord for you. And no matter what you're going through, as it's hard for all of us to endure, and we're very willing, but our flesh is weak. So hear the words of Psalm 121. My help comes from the Lord. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Let's pray together. Lord, your word says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. Lord, would you commission us? Would you use us? Would we fight against fear and be people of faith to see that the gospel is brought to this town and to this county and to this state and to all the nations of the world? Lord, would you use us? Would you allow us to be a bride that stays awake, that we would be awake and